morning. The reading this morning is taken from John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 25. That's John 21, verses 15 to 25. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of God, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus tur Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread amongst the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. Put that down. Is that okay? Um, so this week I've just been reflecting really on, on that passage that Helen read so beautifully. Um, that's a real gift you've got there, Helen. Um, and just been asking God really what it is you want to say to the St. Jude family this morning. And I real, just got a real strong sense um, just just sitting with God, really, and listening to his voice. And, and it's this, it's this kind of word, and it's you're going to hear it time and time again as I speak to you this morning. It's in our brokenness that we often experience God's greatest blessing. It's in our brokenness that we often experience God's greatest blessing. And I really hope this morning that... Um, that this verse, that what 
I've prepared brings you encouragement, fills you with excitement, fills you with a sense of urgency for the gospel. But it also, I pray that it challenges you. My prayer is that you would encounter Jesus afresh this morning. And there is power, isn't there? There's power when we encounter Jesus. There is power in that name, the name of Jesus. That same power that rose Jesus, raised him from the dead, lives in me, it lives in us all. And that's, that's amazing, isn't it? When we open up our lives, we receive that power. And what I love about Jesus is that, you know, when he, when he calls people like me and like you, and like the people we read about in the Bible, particular Peter, you know, he doesn't call the, the clever. He calls the ordinary, the broken, the messy, the most unlikely people to do some extraordinary things, to advance his kingdom and to see lives transformed. Our Bible is full of broken, messy people that God used. I'd love to speak to you this morning on how Jesus sees past the mess in our lives, sees past our, our brokenness. He, see, he sees past my failure and our failures. He sees past our fears and he sees purpose and potential. It's our brokenness that we often experience God's greatest blessing. Jesus knew what true brokenness was, didn't he? I love that image of the Last Supper. As they're all sitting there, his best friends, Peter as well, listening as Jesus explained that his body would be broken. We get reminded about that, don't we, when we share communion. We know the story well, don't we? Just a little while later, Jesus is arrested. And then Peter experiences his deepest breaking, complete brokenness, as he denied knowing Jesus. And this verse in, um, in Luke, Luke 22, 60 to 61. So this is, um, Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the crop crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the crop rose today, you would disown me three times. And then he went outside and wept bitterly. But the thing that got me that really stood out, I've never really noticed it, is when their eyes met. In that denial, their eyes met. Jesus witnessed Peter's denial, and their eyes met. Over this past year of wearing these stupid masks, you know, we've had to read people's eyes, haven't we? And our eyes tell us a lot. We can't see our facial expressions, but it's in these eyes. There was a supernatural encounter. 
And Jesus witnessed that. He witnessed the brokenness, the hopelessness, the disappointment through Peter's own eyes. But here's the beautiful thing. When their eyes met, there was no condemnation. He never said, you're hopeless. You're too broken. How can I use you? A mess like you. No, he never said that. Jesus looked past the brokenness, the mess. God saw past the betrayal of his son, Jesus. He looked past the mess that was in Peter's eyes in his life. It's in our brokenness and the mess of our lives that we often experience the blessings, the greatest blessings of God. These are challenging words, aren't they? Challenging words for us. How do we apply them today? You know, does God really see past my mess, our mess? Can God really use us in our brokenness? Let me share a story. About eight months ago, um, I, I, I had to go to St. Margaret's Church. One of the contractors left his drill battery charger on, tried to go and switch it on, because switch it off, because he was worried about it. And I, as I was walking down the side alley, I stopped in my tracks. There was a gentleman, and he was urinating up the side of the church. But that was okay. That didn't throw me. It was seeing a young lad with a needle in his arm. Scared, if I'm honest, it scared the living daylights out of me. You know, I should have gone, oh, oh, you know, Jesus loves you. But no, no. I looked at them. And I said, what a mess. There is no hope. I judged them. I said things that I shouldn't have said about, particularly about this young man with the needle in his arm. I walked off and I was angry. I was furious. Because every week I would have to pick up needles from the church garden. But God spoke to me in that still but challenging voice. Still but challenging voice and correcting me. Fran, how dare you judge that young man? How dare you look at him and say there is no hope, that the mess in his life is too much that I cannot use him? Fran, when I look at you, I don't say your life is too messy, your life is too broken. I look at you and I say, you're my son, and I love you. I love you from my core, and I died for you. You know, I was challenged, and I knew I had to repent. So I did a, a little, during lockdown, I did a little video where I told this story, and I, I asked for forgiveness. Eight months, no, sorry, six months down the line, Christmas. We're in church. We had Archdeacon Jenny with us. And she preached on Isaiah 61 for a really short time. So I got the band up and I said, I'll just, just play a song just so we can respond. And God just brought me to my knees. And he said, Fran, there's somebody here who wants to come to me. Somebody here who wants to come to me. And I was like, no, God, we've got Jenny the Archdeacon here. 
I haven't even finished my flipping training. You know, what can I do? But it was clear. I just responded. And then at the back of the church, someone put their hand up, praise God, and we joined the family of God. Didn't think anything of that. Three weeks later, he came and spoke to me. The first thing he said was, do you remember me? And I was like, yeah, of course I remember you. You was the guy who responded, and you're now part of our family. That's really exciting. You're part of God's family. He said, no, I was the guy down the side of the church with the needle in my arm. I'm sorry. I said, no, I'm sorry. Because when I saw you, I saw a mess. You know, five weeks, six weeks down the line, that young man on Easter Sunday was baptised along with his girlfriend. You know, it's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible. Jesus looks past the mess, the brokenness in our lives. Let's have a look at a bit of context to this passage, what brings us to this point. So if we go back to Matthew 16, verses 17 to 19, who do you say I am? Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, and I will tell you I would tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. God chose Peter, a dodgy, stinky fisherman, to build his church, to be the foundation of church on this earth, to tell others to turn from their sins. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. They were filled with power. Peter preached. Many came to know Jesus. Peter experienced that grace of Jesus after the resurrection. And there was no one better place to preach the good news on that day. And you would have thought, wouldn't you, you know, Peter's been filled with the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. And you would have thought Peter would have been on fire for Jesus. He would have been out in the streets proclaiming the good news, seeing life transformed. But we don't see that, do we? No. Where do we see him? We see him back in his stinky fishing boat. Really challenged me that, to see him not proclaiming the good news. We see him back in his fishing boat. We find him in his comfort zone. And I wonder where do we turn when life gets messy? Do we go back to that place of comfort? For Peter, it was his boat. Maybe for you, it's different. Looking at my own life, when the going gets tough, you know, where do I turn? Hours of Netflix, designated survivor at the moment. I don't know if you've watched it, but it just is so addictive. 
or line of duty, hours upon line of duty tonight. Okay, who's excited about that? We get to find out what's going on. But I spent hours watching rubbish. Maybe for you, when the going gets tough, where do you go? Maybe you go to that glass of wine. Maybe you drink it away. Maybe you go on a shopping spree. Or you work longer hours. Maybe you're here and that really resonates with you. Maybe God is calling you to step out. To step out of that comfort zone. To step into something new. Maybe like Peter, God's calling you to build his church. Here at St. Jude's. How can you play your part in that? Maybe God's calling you to join a small group here. Maybe, challengingly, maybe God's calling you to give towards the vision here at St. Jude's. It's not a comfortable place, is it? Following Jesus isn't a comfortable place. But we take comfort when we look at heroes of faith who are filled with the power of the Spirit, but yet, they go to that place of comfort. When things get difficult, we often run from God. We often blame to God. We often blame God. I feel God is saying, stop running, stop blaming, run to me. We don't need to, to fight our mess, our brokenness. Jesus has already won that battle. Stop trying to be to be strong. It's okay to be weak, to be vulnerable, to be broken, to be messy, because it's in our weakness that we discover God's strength. It's our brokenness that we often experience God's greatest blessing. And you know, Peter must have felt just an overwhelming sense of shame as he, as he loaded that fishing boat up. He might he, he might as you know, he, go back to his own job. God couldn't use a, God couldn't use him, a traitor like him, to spread the good news. And then we see Jesus on the shore, calling them in, in this passage. I'm not sure. I would have had the balls to get out of that boat and go towards Jesus after that seriously epic denial. But we see Peter in this passage on the beach. They're having a barbecue. It's so radical. Jesus doesn't say, I'm so disappointed in you, Peter. So disappointed. But Peter doesn't run. Peter goes straight to Jesus. Maybe Peter was tired of running. Maybe he was tired of running away. Maybe you're here this morning and you are tired of running away. Can I encourage you to run to Jesus, to turn to Jesus, like Peter was encouraged to? Jesus, um, Jesus never reminded Peter of his past failures. Jesus reminded him of his love. It's in our brokenness that we often experience God's greatest blessing. And then we're at this point 
these three questions. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And like I was talking to Steve Dawson, and he was saying that love is called akape love. Is that right? Is that how you pronounce it? Akape love. It's the Greek word for love. Do you love me more than these? And a simple way to summarize this akape love is God's unconditional love. Do you love me? Peter replied, yes, Lord. You know that I filio love you. And filio describes an emotion, a connection that goes beyond our acquaintances or a casual friendship. When we experience this filio love, we experience a deeper level of connection. Jesus then said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you acape love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I filio love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to Simon, son of John, do you filio me? This is Jesus. Jesus changed. He says, do you filio me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you filio me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I filio you. I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Yet again, Jesus looked past the brokenness of Peter. He does not, he, he does the same for our lives. He looks past the mess. He's the God who loves. He's the God of the first, the second, the third, the fourth, so many chances. He's the God who forgives. Jesus shows here where he wants Peter to be. But it's a beautiful thing is that he starts where Peter is, by coming to his level. Jesus meets Peter where he is, but he doesn't leave him where he wants to be. Filio love. Psalm 103, verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. The very thing Peter feared was proven a lie by Jesus' death and his resurrection. Thank God Jesus looked past Peter's mess and his brokenness. He forgave him. He sent him on a mission to preach the word, to build his church. We are never too useless to God. Even when we mess up, even when we're broken. In fact, when God forgives our sin, he uses us despite of it. Our life is a witness to Jesus' love and power. Friends, stop trying to be strong. Be weak. Be vulnerable. Be broken. Be messy. It's in your weakness that you discover God's strength. It's in our brokenness 
that we can often experience God's blessing. Should we just um, respond? I don't know if the band want to play nice and gently, and if you'd like to stand, then we'll just respond. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. I pray, Spirit of God, would you come? Would you fall on us now afresh? Pray, Lord, for your perfect love. That perfect love to cast out all fear. I thank you, Father. You are the God who looks past our mess. And you're the God that sees potential and sees purpose in every one of us. I thank you that you're a God who forgives. You're a God who transforms. And you're a God who wants to use ordinary, broken people like us to build your kingdom. And when we follow you, there is no greater call. When we follow you, the gates of Hades will not prevail. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen.